Yeah, and nice to see you again with your nice uh, you again. PRS guitar. <laughs> yes, my one that Paul, um, when I first met him, was three days at Frankfurt Messe. After three days, he said, Ant, I want to build you the guitar of your dreams. And I said, make it like, one minute, this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so he invited me over to his booth, which was right next to us because we were doing the Marshall demo. Um, it was more like a little gig, a little club. They really did us proud. And um, <laughs> so I picked up a cup. I said, Paul, you know, this one's too thin. This one's too fat at the top, you know, the, by the bridge. He said, Anne, that's a millimetre difference. I said, well, I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel, you know, it wasn't. And um, so he modelled that my 62 SC Les Paul Jr., the neck exactly. And then um, a year later, the next time, the next Frankfurt Messe, it hadn't mm -hmm. turned up. And he walked in. I said nothing because I was grateful. <laughs> I wasn't going to say. Well, so John, my my two band members, John Ningwood and John Curry, who knew Paul previously, they both said, "Where's Ant's guitar?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Paul, like, hasn't it? Had, didn't you get it? Said no. So he, he, you know, he went away. Came back the next morning for the next day of the show with with it. He had it flown like overnight from Annapolis to Germany just so he could come and hand it to me. And as he handed me the guitar he, and in this beautiful case, he said, and if you ever want to sell it, please give me first refusal. He's giving me a 10,000 plus. It's a it's unique neck because he doesn't have necks like that. It's, it's my custom design, you know, and I, I, I initially I had anyway. So, so he says, you know, he wants to buy it back from me. He said, it's the best guitar we've ever built. You know, obviously. <laughs> so it, I mean, was, I was so blessed. And um, the thing is, though, I, because I, what I wanted rather than these that I ended up with, uh, I had Mother of a Pearl. Um, no, sorry, no, sorry, um, coral, uh, uh, pink. You know, like red coral in mm -hmm. days. It was mm -hmm. beautiful. It's still beautiful now. But then I went on tour with Rick Wakeman, and uh, we rehearsed with the full lights and everything. And then when the company brought the the, the van or the truck to load, the, it was smaller than the one they delivered the PA in. So we couldn't fit in the front truss. So there was no, the only lights we had above us were red. <laughs> so uh -huh. it became, <laughs> I mean, there were the dots, but, you know, I mean, I don't usually look, but when I look, I have to see something. Otherwise, I, you know. You know, I mean, uh, even on a classic guitar, you know, there are <laughs> there are markings. So tell, anyway, tell me, tell me about it. I mean, that's that's. So, so it was like you know, it was it was always a bit of anxiety. But <laughs> I looked, don't look. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so then after that, I said we got back to America, and uh, this was in England, and um, I got back to America. And Paul, I need to change all the inlays. And his Christian, his um, Luthier, one of his repair guys. Great guy, not not Christian. Um, oh gosh, um, it'll come to me. I'll, I'll, I'll have to add that as a later episode. <laughs> John, 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 something. Oh dear, I should remember. It's been so long. 
Anyway, he, he managed to replace all the lover, lover, um, up to these mother of pearl inlays. And he, I think he had to take one fret out, uh, the one that was, I think it's that one actually. Because mm -hmm. it, it's sort of, it's too close to really fit. Anyway, so what a great God. And so, you know, so, and this I can obviously see it whenever I need to. <laughs> yeah. So, and, um, and you, you still play this guitar? Yes, very much. I just had my four favorite guitars set up by Plug Brett Allen. He's the best guy I've ever come across. You know, um, he has this amazing, he's an old boy, Australian guy. And he's, 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 he's done, been doing studio rentals. You know, he's got a whole room of, you know, vintage guitars and uh, amps. Well, actually more guitars, actually. And um, he's, yeah, I've met, I actually met him by mistake. I was just, I thought I was ringing my friend, Brett, another Brett, and I was talking about, you know, rather than renting gear from Guitar Center, buying it and then returning it, like, like they do in the ads, right? You buy things and then you return it, but they don't. Anyway, and he's going, that's a good idea, but I'm not the person you're speaking to. So that's how I met him on the phone. And he became, you know, he was like, yeah. Um, he was very into it <laughs> he understood the game <laughs> yeah chance meeting but he, he's actually an incredible um setter upper he, he has this technique of like every string he's doing he does that to make it lock and you know he believes in as few wines as possible he just has a way of securing it and a lot of people now talk about it, but you know, I, I mean, I I grew up, well, I was told rather, uh, in my twenties, uh, to do the lock, you know, where you go underneath and pull it back and that. But if you, if you need to change it quickly in a gig, your roadie, they're going to be fiddling around this way. If you do it, get it right, it's boom, you know, easy. So, uh, great things, um, yeah. And also, he told me it's. Better to, uh, on particularly on the Gibson Bridge, which is tonomatic, but um, I have to have to get back to that one. But he he, he said wrap it round. The, not the way you would normally do it. Mm -hmm. but, um, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, ne next time we'll we'll get I'll get more <laughs> detail. <about laughs> yeah, <that. I> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, don't, don't worry so, about it. <laughs> yeah. What I really we were talking about just before we went uh, into recording, I wanted to you know make a tribute to Phil Spalding, who recently passed away, totally unexpected, shocked us all. And he was on a great role. He was very, you know, putting out posts, you know, on Facebook every day about his book he was writing, just full of life, full of vibe. You know, I love him because, you know, we we worked together with Mike, as you know, um, back in the 83, 83s, <laughs> 1983. And, um, uh, we became close friends immediately. And one of the funniest things, uh, he came over to my neck of the woods, Harrow, and we were in a local pub 
and I had my file of facts with me and I was wanting to get his number. And he said, Spalding. I said, I, so I wrote down Balding because I thought he was saying it's Balding. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie was like, you know, he was, he's bald. <laughs> and Eddie, we had a, such a laugh when he saw what I was doing. And I was genuine. I wasn't, you know, making fun. I, oh, Balding. It's Balding. <laughs> Bless him. So, you know, we became close friends. Um, and and when we were rehearsing uh, for Price's tour, we were rehearsed at Mike's in the studio, and we were all like facing each other. There was eight of us, so it was you know. And Phil and I were opposite side, and Mike was next over, you know, diagonally towards me. And then uh, there was violinist, keyboard player. We did, we didn't have Simon Phillips at that point. He was still on tour. So we were just rehearsing, you know, without drums. And I remember that we had three weeks and Phil and I were like, our, our, our brains were working very well then. And so it was about 200 little, you know, if you've heard the, the concerts, a lot of, you know, mixed up, not mixed up, but lots of segments that, you know, all different, yeah. which is great. And, um, you know, we, we were just making notes. I wasn't looking at a score or anything. That's another story I think I shared. <laughs> <laughs> I did pour David Bedford out of you know a commission because I, I, I didn't think we needed it, you know. Mm. And I was probably a bit intimidated by it too, to be honest. But um, so our attention was awesome. So we just made. I, I had a little notebook and I just put like um, give a little uh, like a, a mnemonic. Um, uh, reference to a section i'd call it a name or you know a couple of little notes or you know and, and then i say four times or two times you know and just make a little rope a simplified road map when you have directions you know you know and um so but both of us managed to retain the whole show in about a week and a half mm -hmm. and and it you know i mean it took the other guys they had more you know, I don't know that maybe I don't know what was the thing, but you know, it took the rest of the guys three weeks. But I remember that Phil and I, we weren't in competition, we just happened to have this, this what we were doing as well may have been more, um, uh, I don't know, I, I, simple maybe, you know, than the keyboard parts and everything. You know, he, he had more muscle memory to, <laughs> to <laughs> learn. <laughs> But it was amazing times, and, and it was, I remember it was so funny when we got to, if I've repeated myself, please remind me But from the last time, but um, when we got to sections of Tubular Bells, you know, there's a... You know, and he looks at me, he said, you don't want to play that, do you? Nah. <laughs> you know, it was so, it was so cool that well, our relationship, for instance, as I mentioned last time, it was just, um, you know, I had so much respect for him and he also, you know, like knew me well enough because, you know, we'd met when I was touring with, uh, our band was touring with ACTC. So, you know, and he he had insight that you know now nah, he and probably wouldn't want to do that path because <laughs> it's it's I mean it's a classic thing it's great but it's you know I, I wasn't my thing you know so uh, I would have done it obviously asked me to do I'd learn you know but uh, it's just <laughs> he was like a very 
he felt like an old brother, you know, very close, but, you know, my elder brother, like in those things, he was protecting me. <laughs> so, ah, you know, so um, I was very, very so blessed and honoured that we met and we had that wonderful time. That tour was amazing. We had so many um, highs. Um, and uh, I think I've told you the story about Simon Phillips with the lost BMW hire car keys. We went, we were, no. we, we took, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll get back to full again, but this is something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go, for, go we, for it. <laughs> okay. Well, we had a couple of days off. Uh, we were in um, Brussels, um, and um, the next gig was in Copenhagen. Right? We had a couple of days off. So Simon, we, you know, we talked about it on the first day off, or before the first day off. And uh, he said, do you fancy coming going up to Gothenburg in uh, Sweden to see David Bowie? And I said, yeah, sure. He said, okay, I'll hire a car and, uh, you know, I'll knock at your door at 7.30 in the morning and we'll, we'll leave. We'll fly out there, you know, get drive to the airport, you know, lose the car, fly to mm -hmm. um, uh, the airport, and there's a ferry, mm -hmm. and then then we got another car for there and drove like, well, it was actually uh, something like f not 50 miles, but you know the Swedish miles are 10 times the value. <laughs> so you know, okay. so I, and I didn't realise at the time. So we had friends coming and said, "Oh yeah, we're 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 um we're going to be come come to you." It, it's only 50 miles away, which actually meant 500 miles away. <laughs> wow. So, anyway, so so there we are. So first of all, by the way, so Simon, you know, knocks on the door in the morning and he said, and I've lost the keys. <laughs> okay. Well, we, you know, we, we're definitely intent on going. So let's go and ask the um, night porter any help in anything. So he's, we went down to see him. And he would say, well, I'm, I'm uh, finishing my shift in half an hour. I'll take you to the airport. Oh, what a guy. So we, we had our, you know, we had to take all our luggage, you know, uh, you know suitcase, basically. And um, uh, I think the guitars were in flight cases, so they were being shipped. And um, mine, anyway. And Simon obviously didn't have a kit with him. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so, you know, so we had to take um, uh, a walk. I think it was a walk first. And I mean, I think it may have been a bus ride, but anyway, what it was, we, we got off and uh, we, we were walking and, we, and he said, I was in this street. And I looked at the cars that were parked in the street and I just had an intuition. It was the Fiat 500 convertible that was going to be his car, just you know, because everything was normal, saloon, and everything, <laughs> and it was. So the the back of the back seat just had our cases, and Simon and I had to travel on the front seat together, and 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 for the so the only way we could do it, I was sitting like back of the seat, he was sitting nearly on my lap, and his head was sticking out the convertible. <laughs> we drove like twenty miles to the airport, and it was like like a clown car, you know. It was so funny, you know. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> we made it eventually, though. 
and you know the rest of the trip was trip was uh, awesome <laughs> and it was, it was like i'm I, I could tell just by you know murphy's law or whatever you call it that that was going to be the car <laughs> it was like 50 yards away but you know, yeah it's going to be that one i know <laughs> yeah i have i have similar stories <laughs> yeah i bet i bet it's uh well, do you want to share one <laughs> well it's just like in in south america like you know in buenos aires some of the taxis are incredibly small oh yeah yeah and and, and i have a couple photos where like our sound engineer is like you know he has to his head out of the out of the window in order to fit <laughs> what, what did i say did i share the um time where our, our pr girl in, in buenos aires um she slammed the small taxi door and it broke my finger did i no, share that you didn't know oh, oh that was a whole and you know i mean I, the next morning i i was going to uh, my friend alfred alfredo camp camp uh oh god camp oh god campan campanali or something he yeah. he um import music which and they put he bought the old ford factory so it's an incredible building you know really old beautiful and he, he, he anyway so so yeah we will we, we, we be you know out having drinks and stuff and uh there was um i know i had two lovely women uh i was in the middle of two lovely women and i had my you know arms around just because there was no space I was, you know i mean also it was a nice thing to do as well but it was more out of necessity because i didn't have yes. room to it. but and and she slammed the door and i i didn't realize that i was you know, because it's such a small, small car, mm. I, I didn't think that I would have a problem. So she slammed the door on my finger and it broke. So then we, and it was like after midnight. So we had to find emergency, um, you know, room. And, we, and then we had to find, I remember it, it was a whole trip and we were very drunk. <laughs> so, oh yeah. And so when I got to the actual doctor, I, he, he couldn't give me an anesthetic. So he had to stitch up my finger. Still got the star, actually. It's, uh, anyway, it's there. A little finger there, which is better than it being there for sure, because <laughs> yeah. that's my plan. Yeah. At least you know. But um, it was pretty painful. <laughs> but I was anaesthetized <laughs> from the alcohol. But anyway, so they wrapped it up, and then yeah, I remember. Um, and then in the morning, Alfredo's lovely then wife. Gabrielle, she was an absolute. Everyone who met her was like, you know, she was a goddess, right? So, so I saw this lovely, lovely nurse. She, she, you know, reset my my um, dressing and wrapped it up, and just was such beautiful energy. And then I did the, you know, the, the clinic thing with, um, yeah, our bass player Lee Pomeroy, and um, oh, yeah, Lee. of course and um and, and a drummer who was there and it was so funny because i just like you know it was almost like a a, a mic cover the size <laughs> like that <Wow. laughs> i just had to keep that out of the way like you know i mean you know i remember that and because you know, we were still still hung over in the morning because it was a morning thing and we'd been up i didn't get home back to the hotel till about four in the morning i was up again at like eight to be ready to do the 10 o'clock uh, clinic but it was it was just these times were amazing 
the petrophil. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> he, uh, oh, we were traveling and let me think some of the wonderful things. But actually, more to the point, after um, Mike and after that tour, you know, Phil took me to, you know, see his people he was also working with. Um, um, with view of you know hooking me up with them, it, it, but the thing is, the music they were doing was more new romantic sort of, not really blues rock, and it didn't it didn't resonate with me. So you know, I, I would I mean I I would have loved to have been part of it, but I, I realised it wasn't you know it, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. But Phil, we stayed in touch, and you know he he was um, just an amazing high-spirited, and and I'm sure he won't mind um, me sharing this, Phil. Um, He was having an affair and he went missing. He he got, you know, you you know, he got into a bad situation, you know, like with drugs and stuff. He finally got himself out of it and God bless him. But anyway, he was having, he was, you know, having an affair and his wife got to find out about it. So she went round to the house. He answered the door in a towel, and she said, "He said I can't help it. It's me hormones." <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible. I mean, you know, I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was being—he was being truthful. He wasn't—he wasn't trying to get out. I mean, he, he was—he was being as accountable as he could. You know, bless him. <laughs> Well, he's being totally honest. <laughs> exactly. That's right. You can't. I mean, I just love him for his. You know, he came out with absolutely. You know, it, it may have hurt, hurt Amanda or his wife, but you know, at least he was being honest. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's nothing. No, this means nothing. You know, that's the usual. Then you get caught red-handed. Oh, it means nothing. You know, it just means a lot for the wife. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, Anyway, another time when he was in his uh, lost weekend, we'll call it, you know, he was, uh, Dave Gilmore was trying to get hold of him to join uh, Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Or uh, they maybe it was, yeah, it was just Pink Floyd, maybe obviously without Roger Waters. But, you know, yeah. so, you know, um, so, you know, we all have missed opportunities when we were not the right person in the right place at the right time, you know, so, but that's life. Do you have any uh, anything to report where you actually missed an opportunity because of bad oh. timing or? Oh yeah, in fact, um, after um, the first tour with Mike, as I mentioned before, you know we sort of went our ways. Mm-hmm. Um, then, because uh, uh, we had a, a cricket team, you know, the old field eleven. And we used to practice in his, in his beautiful um, field or field garden, <laughs> big garden uh, outside his house. And uh, so um, about another uh, six months later, I get a call from Jeremy asking, like, do you, do you, would you like to come and you know play cricket? So I was, I was being invited back into the family, as it were. I always felt like I was the black sheep, so because it happened quite a few times. So you know we, we did that, and then um, after maybe a month or two of that, he called me and he said, you know, Aunt, you know, 
will you come down to the studio and you know it was um it was pictures in the dark that song and um you know he he invites me down to play some guitar on it and like so it was a harmony part that i'll come up with and um so well, i turned up um now i i wasn't sort of on my best yeah i think i i'm still recovering from the coke <laughs> that we've been taking you know all the time more and more and more and i i stopped but i was still having effects you know it was it's shortly after the first tour so it was within maybe six months and um but i was okay but it, uh, i anyway so when i got there first he said so where do you think the solo should be so he listened to the track and i said there you know it's after the, when it comes it's like after the second first chorus second verse yeah. or second verse yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so and um so uh so we spent like literally two hours you know because it's it was time code there's no pro tools back then so he you know we, we cut the tape and i was like holding the tape one end you know while he's and uh it's doing the and then we were checking it out in the machine but it took it, it was a lot of mental energy it took and by the time it came to you know we got it right thanks to simon's perfect timing we could just hit the drum you know the kick drum to line things up and it it's totally the, the time code just you know it didn't have a waiver so it's, you know, it's, that's a testimony to sign and um and um so i did the rhythm parts first and by then i'm you know i'm like you know i'm sort of <laughs> fading time and i should have just said like can we just take 10 15 minutes where i have a you know just to sit down but you know i i wanted to get it done as well and uh so he he had his part and it's not obvious what the harmony would be i had to do a lot of mental thing. i was good at that when i was you know had the energy but i've been sort of and it's 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 a bit of an excuse because i should have been able to manage myself or at least um ask for the extra you know 10 15 minutes probably wouldn't have mattered but so i was struggling with finding the right because it's to say there's quite a lot and because you can't just do thirds there's a lot of yeah uh, yeah and also a bit of maybe a bit of um even <coughs> counter melody not counting but you know things going the other way to make it work you know yeah I will, i'm very much into those i mean i loved all the beatles you know strange you know, the, one of the parts actually quickly on Yellow Submarine, you know, uh, um, uh, yeah, but it's, it, it, I'm, one of John Lennon's parts is not, not what you'd think. And it's, it's so cool. He, he, he sort of blends it in so well. Anyway, so that's the sort of thing that inspired me, obviously Beach Boys. So, so, um, so I, yeah, I, I, I struggled with that, to be honest. I, I, you know and then he suddenly and it, it was we you know we had a few goes at it but and then he suddenly got obviously a bit frustrated and um so he suddenly said oh well and uh sorry uh, I've, I've got to get it mixed today it's going you know it has to go into the pressing on monday and he's got all sort of and he's never been like that so i, I felt really bad and you know so i did 
play on the record, but I didn't do what I was supposed to. So I, you know, I'm wow. accountable for that. Well, because he, you know, he had, he, I obviously had expectations. That I would come in and just go, oh yeah, sure, which I, which I did, you know, on the album, because I was because I didn't have to spend two hours <laughs> doing that, and that, that's the only justification. But it doesn't make any difference. You know, what happened happened, and I'm accountable for that. And so, um, the album, you know, the single was released, and I should have stayed quiet because I, you know, I know I didn't, you know, perform as I should have on that day. Instead of that, I was a, I wasn't in, I, I was um, more concerned about getting a credit than being invited back into the family. Oh. So that was my absolute, not crazy, but my lack of judgment. So what did I do? When it when it came out, we had a we actually we had a, um, uh, a you know a release party in his studio, and um, saw the video and everything, and I saw the the, the single, and my name's not you know, it's not been credited, <laughs> right? But I mean to be honest, all I did was a rhythm part, you know. So you know, looking back, I should have just kept my mouth shut because knowing that I'm back in the family. You know, there's, there's much, it's like, you know, I, I learned a, a hard lesson, choose your battles, you, you know, because you need to let them go to win the war, as it were, you know. It's a, a it's actually a life lesson as well. It's, it's it, is, it is. For everything. You know, on that single, like, there's there's not, nothing on it except for the, the singers are credited, but nobody else. So I didn't, yeah, didn't even know it was it was Simon. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, there you go. Well, well, see, I was unaware of that. Or I was, and again, I, I was so uh, concerned about my getting a credit because I hadn't had one for a while since we, you know, and yeah, that's not his fault. I mean, why wouldn't I, you know, go out and do other things? So I, I was so, I was so um, attached to Mike and that, that project, and so happy to get invited back in. And and I knew I I, I I was really in denial of what was really going on, and uh, so I called him up anyway <laughs> after the opening you know release party, and I said, Mike, I noticed you, you didn't give me a credit, and he said, Well, it's too late now. I, I've already pressed um, you know ten thousand pressings, and what did I say? Rather than oh okay cool no problem, you know be cool about it. I said well. If it becomes a hit and you get another, you know, load of pressings, maybe you'll put my name on it. I mean, what a parcel. <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't go well. And uh, but um and but we still uh so we did we but we did the live show, you know, it's a, it's actually a, a mime show in front of ten thousand people yes. on Peter's yeah. show. And right. you know, but but I can tell our Body language is totally different than it was on the Crisis Tour, and even the Shadow on the Wall video, because that was in the good time. This was like, you know, when I get put back into the family, but I'm not in a really good space, you know. And um, I noticed that, um, but you know, I, I, we were still, but he, you know, we were still. I mean, I sat down with him in in one uh, the hotel room. Uh, we were gathered in after the show, 
quite sort of um there was always a uh, coke involved <laughs> to be honest yeah so but but the thing is you know i was saying to him mike why don't you think of releasing shadow on the wall in america it, it, it's you know and and he sort of he, he, he just didn't like america i mean michael jackson i think i mentioned michael jackson rang him up at the time we were working together originally and one no actually this ran about this time this next time yeah it was you know 1984 or so and um you know wanted to do something with him and he he turned it down i mean that, i know i know i mean come, but you know why and also um because he was doing the the electric pop that suddenly took off in america i mean uh gloria um uh oh god armic ertigan's girlfriend <laughs> laura brannigan i think and she did a version of she she um they asked mike if she could release a version of moonlight shadow in america and he, and he said no oh my god <laughs> i mean because he, he just didn't I, mean, I guess maybe i mean he made a lot of money from the exorcist thing right and and that's what everyone sort of knows him for because no one unfortunately you know when i mentioned it, it very i mean there are people who know of him obviously in america but the norm is like never heard of him because he but he purposely didn't i mean what was really funny though when i met him he was at the sunset marquee maybe already because that you know so it, it was very strange maybe he didn't enjoy being there but he, he seemed to be very comfortable when we met on the end of the acdc tour so there's a bit of a uh you know dichotomy if you call it is that what it is yes. um uh you know with his going on yeah uh hmm it's a very strange yeah i mean i know he also before i met him i'd heard that he'd gone to America to take this uh, exotential, uh, ex I can't, can't remember the name. I'm a little bit <laughs> fuzzy right now. Um, but, you know, it's basically about assertion and, you know, to make him be able to express himself. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, I know what you mean. Ex ex exegesis. Okay. And, um, yes. And, um, and so, you know, he, he was practicing it, but, you know, really he, he was so, all his emotions were inward and he was very, I mean, obviously that's, and, and, and I understand that because I was like that growing up, you know, and the guitar was the way I could speak to the world with confidence. And I think that's, that's how, that's, I think why we, and we're both Taurus, we were born within a week of each other. So we've got similar characteristics and, um, you know, and he, he obviously, you know, I mean, was able to express his um, emotions through his music. So, and you know, what a what a fantastic conduit that was. <laughs> hey, so so on uh, pictures in the dark is that is that Phil playing the bass on that track? Do you know? Uh, now let me just make sure. Um, I would, I wouldn't know, mm -hmm. because I was only there to to, to do the, after the main track had been done, and mm -hmm. then I we, we put the solo in. Um, 
I mean, it, it could be either. If I if I listen to it closely, I can tell. I can know Mike's playing, mm-hmm. like on um, uh, "Shadow on the Wall." That's Mike. Yeah, it's much more, you know, rambunctious. <laughs> so, because Mike was a bass player, as you know, with Kevin Ayers. Yes. Yeah. And I love, I love. I mean, I love the bass on that because it's really, it's, it's getting on for Chris Chris Cry in a way. You know, not quite, but it's got that. <laughs> Dirty tone, it's like, oh, you know, um, Phil. I mean, but so I would, I mean, I can't even ask Phil anymore, unfortunately. Uh, Simon might know. I mean, I'm actually reached out to him to, you know, just discuss, you know, loss of Phil. And I haven't, I haven't spoken to him for a while, so I thought I am a call, <laughs> yeah. So I, I will find out for the next time we meet. <laughs> But but so so Phil Phil kept working with Mike for another five years or so right till yeah. eighty nine I think mm. right and 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 GTR with Steve Howe yes. uh, and Barry Palmer who was the first who was he, he was on Pictures in the Dark that's how I met Barry mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. great guy um, I never well I, I obviously I met um, uh, Alid Jones uh, mm-hmm. Alid Jones uh, yeah, Alan yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. When we did the Peter's Pop Show, you know, it was it was uh, it was great, you know, great time. It, it was, I mean, that's such a a nicely put together with some rock in it and some, you know, choir in it and little beautiful, you know, I mean, it's such a beautiful. It's, it's incredible. Segment. And then it, it goes really into wonderful. Cal- yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and, um, and then the solo, which uh, you know, we, we we know we, I I mind his both part, you know, one of his parts, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, those times are blessed, and they, they you know, they're to make that they're still around on videos, and there's a huge following for my obviously, you know, mm-hmm. I, there's all these tubular world and Mike Oldfield, blah blah blah. Um, yeah, it's, and, and he, you know, he he sort of rarely appears, but he, you know, he did the Olympics. I mean, he was asked to do that, the the, the English one, right? And um, and I heard sort of something. He was doing something, uh, not in, extremely recently, but you know, over the last few years. But um, I think he's happy. You know, I mean, I mean, he he's not a He's not a natural social person. He's very, you know, uh, but, you know, but then and then, there again, he went to Ibiza <laughs> for a while and he did yeah. all that Ibiza, Ibiza music, <laughs> dance music <laughs> and stuff. So I'm sure he had a, plenty of passing when he was there. <laughs> I mean, I mean he, he loved party as long as there was, you know, like when we had the band going, you know, he was out. I mean, we were all out together partying. But, you know, at home, he was more much... I mean, I used to um, pick him up in my lovely Silver Dania on a Sunday and Molly and Dougal uh, and um, um, Sally and Mike and I'd have my daughter Natasha and we'd go for a uh, uh, dry slope skiing in Hillingdon. Uh, Mm. And, yeah, and... Uh, you know, he'd be reading the Sunday Times next to me. And I'm driving. It was just lovely, relaxed 
not not a word about music just mm-hmm. everything but <laughs> You know, kids and stuff, and it was just beautiful, yeah. And, and he, he, I could see he was really enjoying his role as a dad and everything. You know, he's like took it very seriously, and I, I, it was sort of in inner pride that what he was doing felt good, not not out of pride like look at me. You know, but it was I could tell his, you know, really, I I could read him pretty well until. <laughs> yes. We had the jealousy thing, you know, and it was my—I probably could read him, but I sort of didn't, wasn't aware of the consequences. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah. God, come. So you just you just mentioned uh, Dougal and Natasha, right? So, and both are. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's when I tried to reach out to him when he lost Dougal, mm-hmm. and Wayne Smith is our mutual friend mm-hmm. and you know he said you know because i know mike had put out a, you know we don't want to have any concept because of time and i thought well it might, it might have been a way to reconnect with mike because we you know i understand what he's going through and uh and it, unfortunately you know he wasn't ready to yeah because i mean he must have just i can't i mean i know how i was so mm-hmm. knowing mike uh, it probably even took it. Not it, well. I I wouldn't say took it worse or anything. That's that's a, that's a that's not the right word. But you know he. Uh, you know I, I've got no words to describe the feeling losing your child when it was sudden. Not not after an illness or anything. Bang! One day you get the news, and it's it's just. For me, the universe split. There's a different, it's been a new, different universe since she went. Yeah. And, um, but she's still around, you know. Um, luckily, I've had, as I mentioned, I've, I've got a great connection with her, but I'd much rather her be here in person, obviously. And Mike, you know, I would imagine has a similar experience. So one day, you know, one day, I hope that we get to um, bump into each other unexpectedly and then we can't ignore each other (laughs) (laughs) so how how does how does how does phil uh fit into this this family thing right um uh okay so phil uh was never an issue about any threatening mike's uh you know lady uh, he, he liked so that's one thing he never threatened him I mean that's what I'm saying I never threatened Mike but you know th- I think there was that going on and um, Phil he's a he he never caused problems and uh, maybe I did mm-hmm. in, in Mike's mind I mean I say first at first you know I mean we were so close you know we had a lot of times where you only you need to be really close <laughs> i won't go into details but you know we had some very straight good moments um mm-hmm. and um and i think i was the closest at the time to mike mm-hmm. um but phil is a great character you know i mean and mike loved him too obviously you know he, he was there longer than i was um 
and remained yeah and uh i'm not sure but i've got i think eventually um well i, I don't well I, I, this is I, I, this is a disclaimer you know it's, it's with with without prejudice <laughs> it's, it's not official but i heard that like uh phil slept with anita together <laughs> <laughs> and you know, i did i mean i don't know the valid i heard that you know yeah. but i didn't hear it from mike so you know but but it was a it was a bit of a strong rumor <laughs> suddenly phil stopped working there but i don't you know that may have been that it may have been other things so i don't want to yeah yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but um you know just Phil, you know, I mean, as you say, you know, he, he had his, uh, he was very, um, you know, strongly motivated <laughs> in that area. You know, he was uh, like, and he, and he's, as he's already said, he couldn't help it. It was his hormones. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hormones. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's, there's a bit of a case for that to be true, you know, but, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm. So I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence either side. I'd be happy to hear it. It was something else, but you know, <laughs> that's the only information I heard. <laughs> anyway, uh, but, but I still love him. You know, whatever. I mean, that's not. You know, it just makes me smile more. Um, yeah. Phil, though, yeah, we. we, we um, I mean, <laughs> we 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 uh, we we, we travelled over Europe with two Mercs, and it was Mike. Jeremy, myself, I'm doing where we were sitting, uh, Phil, and Simon on the back, back seat. Mm -hmm. I think I was on the left, Simon's in the middle, and, and Phil was on the right. And he had this one, I mean, he, he, he was a you know, fit guy, but he, he was able to make it, make his belly like a, like a, when he was sitting like in a certain way, it was a little desk, a shelf. So he used to then roll joints on on his shelf in the car. <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever seen anyone do that. We used to use record cupboards and his own shelf. <laughs> wow. Amazing. <laughs> and um, I, there was another time, it wasn't with Phil, but um, Mike, you know, he, 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 he was learning to fly helicopters, right? Mm -hmm. So we um we went from uh um leon i think we were in and we our next um show was in uh le mans uh -huh. and he wanted you know he he hired a, a helicopter with a with a you know a pilot uh, and then you know he asked simon and i if we wanted to go yeah sure so um you know, we, we were on the way and then I asked because I wanted, I had my camera and I was really, you know, a nice Pentax and everything. I was taking pictures of everything. And I asked him, asked Mike or the pilot, well, Mike, Mike was flying, I think, at the time. Must have been more like he'd been the pilot, I think, actually. Can't quite remember. May have been Mike. So I said, it's okay if we, you know, like, tilt the, uh, the helicopter sideways so I can get you know like pointing i wanted to take photos of the trees like they were like blobs you know from that perspective mm -hmm. right now remember it was a perspex um window you know it, there was no structure it was all you know 
it was a turbojet, but it had perspex thing. So, you know, so I had a perfect view. So as I, as the, the cops had turned around and I went to put on my seatbelt, the attachment came off in my hand. So I'm there I am looking down. And I, could, I mean, I could have easily fallen through. So Simon's are holding on to his hands as I'm taking the pictures. <laughs> I mean, you know, crazy. And uh, I, I got the pictures. <laughs> I don't know where they are now, my God, but they're somewhere. But they were, they, it's like, they were like blobs, you know. The, the trees were just like looking like, you know, they're just circles, but no form. Just, oh, that was a... Uh, that was incredible. I mean, I was fearless. I mean, <laughs> wow. Um, and then, you know, finally got back. And I obviously was okay, but I had no, no, no uh, seatbelt <laughs> hanging on. <laughs> but I had to take the shot. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, back to Phil. Yeah. Um, oh, dear. So many good times. Um, other things are there. So I, I, I saw that you also had played some sessions with of, with or for Asia at some point, right? Yeah, Which, yeah. What, what was the connection there? Did that have anything well, to do with Phil? And, and, no, uh, no. GTR no, no. Um, funnily enough, you, I mean, you think it could have been. No, it mm -hmm. came from um, John Payne. I, I, in fact, a friend of mine, Dave Kilminster, who actually took over for Dave Gilmore in yeah. Roger um um uh, waters band and he did a great job i mean you know he was singing parts and you know like i mean because you know he hadn't really done anything as big as that so when i when i saw he he got the gig i think wow good on you mate well, anyway he called me um uh well uh, in the nine early 90s i think yeah and he said um i i've, I've got this you know, in this band, I think it's just starting, but I don't, it's not really my thing. And he recommended me. And that's how I met John Payne and Andy Nye, who we had a band, had a band called The Passion. We did one gig. We rehearsed with Clive Burr. Also, I met, that's how I met Clive, dear friend. You know, Iron Maiden's original, well, not original drummer, but the, the one who did the first three albums, which is the best, in my opinion. Um, and so, I love Nico as well. You know, I'm not knocking him because he's a different style. But and you know, they went on to do great things. But Clive was the real fire. Yeah. Anyway, um, back to the. So I met John Payne and uh, Andy Nye, and we did one gig at the Borderline in uh, Charing Cross Road. And uh, Jeff Downs was around because he knew John. So after that gig, he poached him for Asia, and John and. John, like you know, uh, invited me in for the album, and um, so actually I cut six tracks on that one day. Three of they used on the album, and then the other three I think that they've used on Archivia One and Archivia Two. So anyway, so but I mean, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I was getting paid by the day, and I, I was too quick. <laughs> in and out, we should. I mean, obviously, I, I wasn't about the money. You know, I was just thinking back. Ah, I should have. <laughs> Okay, I'm tired. I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's it's you don't think about the money when you're on that level. No, it was no, a, no. it was incredible, and so and luckily, uh, two of the songs 
we'd already been um, uh, playing and rehearsing, and they just John, you know, Asiaized it <laughs> with Jeff, yeah. you know. But it was the same same arrangement, same song. So um, uh, heaven and was it uh, is it heaven something heaven and hell or something? The long epic. Um, Oh, oh, if you leave me, life would be done. That's the chorus. <laughs> if, if, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yes, it's like, you know. <laughs> Uh, um, it's, it's like Bon Jovi-ish, but it's not. It's much more epic and it's a bit slower. Anyway, so there's an in interlude before my solo, and I, I have the honour of Steve Howe setting solo up for me. He's doing all these slides, and then it cracks, like a sort of Phil Collins on steroids, you know, and, and you know, I'm whacking in. I mean, it's, it's all improvisation, you know. I just, but it was like a, you know, I, I understood what I felt it needed for me. Yeah, it's a bit Gary Moore in, inspired, obviously, because you know, any hard rock blues with some melodies, everyone goes there. Um, but anyway, but uh, it was my own, you know, it was, I, I just, uh, you know, and, and then, <laughs> bless him, bless his cotton socks. Um, John, a year later, when I finally got paid, <laughs> um, uh, he said, we tried to replace your solo, but we couldn't. Now, <laughs> how did how'd you take that? Because he had, I mean, they they had, the, they were like kids in a toy shop. They had every guitar player. They, they wished, I think, Lucas on it. Uh, Al Petroli, uh, Pit, yeah, Petroli, um, Scott Gorham, uh, and uh, many. Oh, um, uh, Robin Trower, I think he may even be. Wow. I mean, it, 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 and I was the, the first guitarist on it, you know, you get involved. So I got the first, um, because of being, you know, in the band with John, mm -hmm. uh, but it was it was a backhand, the best backhanded compliment I've ever had. You know, <laughs> they, they tried, but they couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was I think it was the the energy as well as the notes, but it was the it's just the way that it made you feel. I mean, it really was a lift that the, the song was already had that bed of the big powerful epic. You know, highlight solo, but I didn't. I didn't really play. I I started it off pretty. You know, I knew it needed long, powerful notes, and then I did a bit of willy diddly at one point. But you know, it, but it was more about the impact. And I I I actually realised I I learned that style from Jimi hendrix because he never on you know on the rock stuff he he just went bang he, he came in you know at full speed and then he you know work on it but things like um you know voodoo child i mean you see you know he's 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 not he's not building up anything he's just going like a hell for leather to get the impact 
that goes with the thing. So, you know, I really remember feeling the first time I heard Voodoo Trucks, I wasn't sold on Hendrix at first. I mean, I obviously I liked it, but it was not my not in my ballpark. I was more, mm-hmm. you know, Gibson blues sort of. And you were all these blues, but it's crap. It wasn't my sound. But as soon as I heard um, Voodoo Child, all bets were off. And I thought, oh, okay, I get it. And I you know, loved him ever since. But back to mm-hmm. the Asia thing, that's how it came about. Mm-hmm. And then they, they, I mean, they came. Uh, uh, so that was then. Then shortly after that, I got a call from uh, actually uh, uh, my old dear friend, Brian Gallivan, who was Bonzo's personal, you know, mind, uh, whatever, whatever he wanted. And so he was working with Roger Chapman by this point. So, you know, uh, Brian Welsh guy, he and <laughs> big, big, gentle giant. You know, uh, you know, want to come down with me, Roger? <laughs> you know? So, uh, so I came down and we rehearsed, and we were just jamming, and that's that's what I'm, you know, what I love doing, just having a jam, and you know, you go from there. And you know, like after after like a few minutes, it was obvious that we should we fit, and you know, Roger, you know, happily offered me his gig, um, and then. Uh, well, where, where did I start? Why did I go from that into that? Um, was that Asia? After Asia, yes, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, okay, and that's right, the reason, yeah. So, um, so when I was working at Dingwalls in London, I was playing, and John and um, Jeff came down to see me because they were, you know, they kept coming along to see me, and, you know, they, they were like, and then eventually John asked me, uh, you know, if he was telling he wanted me to me first of all to do a live show recorded, you know, and join the band, um, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> of course. And and then it turned out we both had the same agent, Roger and Asia, Addict Leslie, and um, because of the conflict, it didn't happen. I was disappointed because I, you know, I. I really want, I enjoy, I, I mean, at that time, Asia thing was in right in my strata, as you say, because it's rock, but with the, all the other stuff. Um, so that, that was the first time I didn't, I didn't get into Asia after they wanted me and we were trying to do it. And then um, the next was in 2002 when I got over here and I went to Nam. And who do I see literally as I get there is John um and chef so they come up to me and oh yeah, yeah. And, and they were just working on silent nation their, their current album and so uh, and guthrie was there as well doing a, his um you know demo and and within nearly within earshot but obviously not directly but i could see him behind them and they say oh man you know we want you man oh man so glad you're here so give me all this you know you know, great. So I went down the studio, and at that time, Guthrie was not. It didn't seem to be bothered because he was working on his own stuff, and he was doing great. I mean, he's a fantastic player, and um, um, <laughs> in fact, when I went walk past him, he went. There's a little little solo funny thing um, in uh, at the beginning of "Lay Down Your Arms" on that album. 
And he, he, he quoted it to me as I walked by, like a with a cheeky grin, you know. So you know, it's, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I mean, uh, that was, and that's before he knew that they were off, offering me the gig. <laughs> <laughs> so we started, you know, we went into the writing room in Burbank, so uh, Clearwater, I think, Clearwater Sound, and um, I had a couple of pieces that we've started working on, John, you know. Uh, one was um, like a, a sort of chieftain type melody, you know, uh, uh, the woman from uh, woman from Ireland, I think it's called. And mm-hmm. um, it was inspired by that. I think the Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful melody. So I was inspired by that. And I had, my one was like, it's had that sort of same vibe. And, you know, and John loved that. I know we were working on that. And I had another one that was a little more intense. I had some nice, uh, time signature changes on it great different parts surprising parts which i love you know it's like you get surprised you know? and jeff loved that so he was mocking up the midi version of that so we were all you know going along like super um and we even cut we started you know doing some demos rough um and i, I i've never done like you know plug into the desk and play I, I always use amps so that was very difficult because i had this horrible sound and it was like oh you know i couldn't get any vibe so i remember feeling very uncomfortable i had my amps in the studio in fact uh one of the songs that i didn't <laughs> play on uh, I'll, I'll get to the story but this is what was still going on chris stayed slade you know the drummer was with and i knew chris already and uh so i started playing uh that one uh uh but and so and i i, I did it like a lot little bit slow and with a real you know had that sort of sound there and chris says what's that because he you know he was who and i were playing together live he said, what, what's that? I said, well, it's, you know, whatever it is, the song, can't remember now. And he goes, oh, well, you know, we should do it like that, you know, of course. And what I heard the final version, I'm not on, it's like, it sounds like a pop song, you know, it's like, you know. It's, it's okay, but it, it, I, I, I believe that if we'd done it the way I felt it, it would have been, you know, much more uh, penetrating to people because yeah. it had five it's like and i remember i you know i had my acdc <laughs> in, indoctrination still fresh <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah anyway so uh so then so the, and oh, well, the, what happened right so it was all going well and then suddenly john you know uh well actually adam um adam blah, 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 the manager at the time adam uh okay so adam called me or john maybe called me and you know said you know can we have a meeting yeah so i said yeah sure i had no idea what's going on so okay yeah maybe it's something good you know 
So I went along. John was there with the support, but he didn't say a word. And Adam suddenly said to me, um, and um, Guthrie has heard you're doing it, and he now is interested. But, you know, now he wants to be on the album. He wasn't, you know, <laughs> because he heard I was on. So he said, look, you know, what, and there's 99% he'll want to be part of it. And so he said, um, and John also said to me then after that, well, you know, we can do half and half, you know, you and you and him can share the album. I said, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, wasn't bothered. You know, I mean, it's fine. And so they got Guthrie in first for two weeks. And then John said, sorry, he's done all the, all the parts. And I, Oh, come on. I mean, you know, be at least let me know before it's already done. I mean, I, I know it doesn't work that way because, you know, they, they get on a roll. And, I mean, but, you know, it, it was very disappointing because I really, really wanted to be a part of it, you know, because, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, that's my, that's the second time they offered it to me and it didn't work out. Right. And I, I mean, I think I've got like a, I mean, John says, I, re I actually recognize a couple of little bits, but nothing major. I hear myself. That's me. <laughs> you know, I relate. To, but it's just really like a U2 type vamp. Something like that. I mean, you know, just nothing. But, you know, at least I'm, <laughs> I'm in there somewhere. And, you know, uh, I think I get credited, actually, because at first I, th I thought it was just going to be pre-production, which I did. I believe, I, mean, I can't remember, but I believe I've got a credit. I mean, it's, but now, I mean, your credits are important because they're, they're like, you know, something that's, that's un, you know, on IMDb uncredited and you think, well, you know, <laughs> you know. So anyway, and again, but it's, it's more important to actually part of the music, you know, ultimately be part of something. So, um, so that was that. And then, uh, back in, that was uh, when I first arrived. So it must have been about 2003, four even. Uh, no, it's 2003. I was already here after my surgery, but uh, no, I, I think it must have been because I arrived obviously when I was, <laughs> I was straight into emergency brain surgery and lung surgery later on. So I definitely wasn't at NAM then. <laughs> so, um, let me think. Uh, so um, that was the NAM first NAM I was able to come here, and um, so that that was that year. Probably, well, we can look it up when the album was done. But I think it was two thousand, mm -hmm. probably three, possibly, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And then um, could have been later. So uh, then roll on a few years. And John calls me again. <laughs> and he said, Ant, uh, you know, do, you know, do you, he, he invited me over. Uh, he had his, his studio in a bedroom. He, he, I, I got to tell you about this. John is a maestro in creating studios in small places. It, when I first met him, he was living in London, uh, Regent's Street, north of uh, Maribyrn Road. And he had an apartment. And he had his friend who was actually a construction guy and a dentist. <laughs> anyway, he built him a studio under his bed. The bed, 
and it was it was you know if but it, it was like about it was the size of a bed. Mm-hmm. Double bed, but it was you know, and it had sound you know wooden construction you know proper soundproof doors you know just a mini it's like a mini house but a mini studio and you know it had had a had all the gear and everything you know on the on the length wall and there was a little the desk and then you had a you know a long bench or something it was just enough room to fit in a, you know a good sounding studio. <laughs> So when in Burbank, he'd converted the second bedroom into a studio. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you know, soundproof and everything. It was cool. Nice monitors. I mean, just great stuff. So uh, I recorded some, they had um, some live recordings. So he took the, uh, the original guitars off and I, you know, played over that. And, you know, he loved it and everything. Yeah, 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 all going well. Then, and, and he was he- trying to help me get into shape because i'm still not i mean that's my goal i'm working on it right now trying to but he was really trying to help me he you know i went over every day and we did bike rides and everything and i mean and he he was a former boxer so you know he knows about training and stuff Mm. i was a i was a former (laughs) (laughs) non-boxer and i didn't and i didn't need to worry because my metabolism's good i had really good you know uh you know, if you if you if you ever seen any photos of me when I was much younger, you know, I I, I looked like I tra- worked out because I had toned muscles and everything, but it was sort of natural. And I anyway, mm-hmm. so you know, since I, my excuse is that one after the age of forty, you know, your metabolism slows down. I lost my daughter in that time, so my my focus wasn't on that. What I could have been, mm-hmm. and then after the cancer. You know, uh, my lovely wife or wife, uh, Karen, who she, because I've become veggie, but I was vegetarian after the cow, the cow thing, mad cow disease mm. happened, and and she decided I needed, um, you know, uh, meat back in to build me up, mm. but you know. I, I didn't, I wasn't very good at just containing, controlling. So I'm yum, yum, you know. <laughs> anyway, so mm-hmm. I'm still, I, I mean, I'm getting better, but I, I feel a little like I'm in a Mr. Michelin suit <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so, but, you know, uh-huh. that's, that's, I'm working on that. Anyway, so I'm, you know, again, I think, you know, if I'm honest, at that time, I didn't look like, you know, the type of rock star who you would like to, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I'm being a bit down myself, but you know, there's, but it don't think it wasn't the playing because mm-hmm. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I adjusted. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, he wouldn't have asked me otherwise. I mean, I, 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 I use my own sound a lot. The trouble is, right? What, what the circumstance at the time? John was was tied to play exact replicas of the age of songs because he, he had an agent who was booking him to casinos they, and they didn't want to hear you know a hybrid they just wanted to hear the the, the cover band of asia basically yes yes sir. i mean you know great players i mean i'm not saying jay shillings the drummer um um eric norlando's a keyboard player john mm-hmm. uh bass and vocals and and you know potentially me so after this working, uh, and then we did some rehearsals, and 
you know, the first ones went well. And then he asked me, you know, can you try and recreate Steve Howe's sound more? So I really spent time figuring that out. And and that that's very unnatural for me to do that. I usually play me, yes. you know, but I was happy to do it. I mean, I wasn't, you know, okay, sure, what you know, whatever I wanted to be part. You know, I've already had, uh, you know, three <laughs> potent, potential. Uh, is it three? Uh, no, it's two. With you know the first time and then second time. So you know, I, I thought I'm going to get in there this time. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in there, and. Uh, but I also mentioned that I didn't understand, but basically he was having to recreate the original songs. Uh-huh. And I get that. You know, and uh, so at the time, though, I was saying, because I didn't quite get it, what the reality was. He had an agent, you know, booking him out like a covers band. But, you know, he was the, the he was a singer longer than... Um, uh, John Wetton. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he, you know, he because and he, he actually owned the name as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So John, very clever. Anyway, so, so, but you know, John obviously did the right thing for what they had at the time in front of them, right? So, yeah, but I was saying to John, well, you know, why, don't, why don't we just call it Asia 2000 or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and write some new songs? And and like to bring on the brand and but also make something new, you know, with the more edgy. And instead of that, he he started a, a side project called something or other. Again, you know, it, it's like he he. I mean, obviously there was limitations of what he could do with his agent. So that I understand totally now. Anyway, so back to the story. So I I you know adjusted the tones on certain things and um and after the, the rehearsal we did on that everyone was hugging me and ah man ah, great great you know look you know it's like okay this is good you know and then a, a week later i get an email from john says um you know and i don't know how to say this but you play too much like aunt glenn <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> again what a backhanded compliment, mm. you know, but wow. it wasn't what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, bless him. Um, we're still friends, you know, everything, but uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that's a classic. I mean, I, I understand what he meant. He, you know, he, he needed someone who sounded like Steve Howe, you know, like a, almost like well, a, a clone. You know, and I, mm-hmm. that's not me. You know, I, I've never. But just I mean, you know, think 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 about it. How how fucking brutal the business is. If you yeah. as a musician kind of have to, you know, like decide against someone like you, because say your manager or like money, you know, calls for somebody else. It's horrible. I have to say, it's yeah, really horrible. Yeah. But the thing is, but I've also had the blessing of being recognised for my originality. I mean, even with Asia, exactly. I mean, they never exactly. said, exactly. Oh, "Could you play? Could you play something like that?" I, I just played me, and they couldn't replace me. <laughs> so, yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. So it, it, it's a, it, and but that was when they were being creative. They had all new songs, and it was a great album. It did very well. Um, mm-hmm. 
And um, but when the tech, it, you know, the, the business and the the circumstances of this last time, he had to. It was about recreating identical as much as possible yes. versions of the old hits. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I I understand, and you know, I, I I respect that, and at least John was very honest. But he didn't quite explain that we, you know, he. I mean, he didn't didn't. I mean, it was obvious to me, but he didn't explain land. And you know, we're we're basically a, an Asia covers band, which is true. I mean, obviously, he was the well become the original singer in a sense. But um, it, 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 he was he he was like tied to the confines of that casino circuit. Not, not you know. I mean, and, and I think it's just like every band that has been a, you know, a major hits. They have to probably, you know, um, or it has to be by mutual consent if they're going to change it up at all, you know. And you know, obviously, but I know he wanted me in semi several to three times, <laughs> you know, and uh, so. You know, I mean, I'm, but I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm, I'm in the family. I'm in the Yes family. I'm in the Asia yeah. family on Wikipedia. So, so you know, I, I mean, I mean, it's again, you know, it, it didn't quite get to where I would like to have been. But man, I'm blessed for just being a family member in that because it's, you know, it's very important to me. Because, because I, you know, I, I mean, again, the the change between touring with ACDC for like. 90 shows or something and all and then suddenly starting with mike oldfield you know more cheetah than than mike oldfield it was like so the opposite end of the scale and it just blew my mind in such a good way and then asia thing was like the continuation of that you know like more more closer to the middle of both so yeah um so so, so you mentioned the uh, the roger chapman uh like, did you play shows with Roger, or was that? Oh, oh yeah. But, oh no. Um. Well, funny enough, the first time I met him was at Wembley when we did the end of the Crisis tour, mm-hmm. and he came on and sang "Shadow on the Wall." Mm-hmm. Right. So I obviously knew about him, but I, you know, so that was the first time I met him. But we didn't speak. He, I just he smiled at me. <laughs> he came on <laughs> and he did his thing, and then came out. And then, um, so no, when Brian and, and you know my friend and two of my uh, personal assistant for Bonzo called me up, you know, come and meet Moshe. So then, yeah, we we did a lot. We did tours. We did festivals, dates uh, for over maybe two years. And um, yeah, we've got a live album which I'm on. I think there's one side, and then they've got another side with Laurie Weisfield, who's I, I replaced basically. Mm-hmm. And um, and then um, yeah and, and you know I mean it was so great we used to have fantastic um, parties after gigs with, with a piano and you know Roger like sung this song about me when I it's called Young Blood and it's like you know it was, it was just I was so felt I was in family with <laughs> funny enough the name of his old band yes, yes. <laughs> in the family again. And it was so wonderful, yeah. I mean, and then uh, then I had my little studio at home, and he came over to do um, the next album, uh, No 
no turn unstoned. <laughs> I think that's the name. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he had a habit of rehearsing with the band and then hiring a lot of other people to do the song, the, the actual album, which was a really, not just me, but everybody, no one in the band survived. Maybe Steve Simpson, possibly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, I don't know. I, I mean, that's a bit strange, but, you know, he had his choices and reason. But um, but he, he was great. And I say, some of the best shows as far as improvisation goes, um, and just great and fantastic musicians. Um, um, uh, um, gosh. Uh, okay. Uh, first of all, when I first joined, Peter Stroud was a bass player, a great guy. He became a buddy. And Steve Simpson, Stevie Simpson was so welcoming and he was like Uncle Stevie because I was a bit younger, right? But, and I'd, I'd known him, I've seen him before with his um, other bands, you know, um, uh, with Jeff Whitehorn and stuff. So they were, you know, close buddies. And Jeff obviously was the main guitar player for years with Roger. And then he got the gig with The Who or something. So that's when Laurie came in and then I came in. And um, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm stalling because I'm trying to remember keyboard player. Uh, Mickey Waller. Not Mickey Waller. Oh, my gosh. Mick. He lives over here now, actually. He, plays, he, he doesn't do much, but he occasionally works with uh, Taj Mahal. Who, who was on our Montreux Jazz Festival. He came on as a guest with us uh, in a, a Montreux. We've got a DVD, Midnight Flyer, and Albert Collins came on as a guest as well. That, that's all those performances. We did our show and then we invited, you know, Taj Mahal and then um, Albert Collins. I had a great duel with him. You know, he was a great guy. The first um, time he came into our rehearsals, we had all new flight cases because we were, you know, and uh, we just got a deal. And then this was our, you know, uh, great, was our first year after we recorded the album. Anyway, so he walks in and he says, look at all them boxes. I want boxes like that. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was a real gentleman. We, we, I mean, we, I don't know if you've had a chance to see any clips on YouTube, but, you know, I, we, we're playing away in this jam, and I'm I'm motioning him to sort of just go down, and we would both go down to our knees, and we're going to like look at each other, and we're, you know, got this constant stare, and then I'm playing a bit, and he's playing, and then you know we go up slowly. It's it's just just what a great showman, uh, and a great part, and he invited me anytime when I'm in, you know in America, come so on the. And when we toured America, we went to see him, and uh, that was awesome as well. Yeah, I can't remember if I got up with him or not, but he was such a gentleman. And we also, we, I don't think it's on the CV, the DVD, but this gospel band, the Mighty Clouds of Joy, they came on and guested with us. But the one by one, because they were a band. <laughs> really funny one by one they took over all the instruments so i was the only one left on stage with our band you know it's so funny because the drummer um somehow transitioned 
and then and then you you get a, 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 a just a keyboard view. There's, there's Chris Perrins playing piano, and then this other set of hands, you know, dark skin because they were like, you know, he uh, <laughs> starts from the top end and works his way down and he pushes Chris off. I mean, there was you know, it was done in a good way, but it's so funny. They were so yeah, I remember that. And then uh, Tony ended up, yeah, uh, their bass player took over from Tony Stevens. And I looked around and I think, oh, okay, well, I'm in a new band. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was the last stand. <laughs> uh, man, man there, you have so many stories. It's incredible. Uh, just, I mean, more keep coming to mind, especially after we, just after we finish. Oh, I got to, I'm going to do that. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how are we doing for time? Are we? Are, are you... I I suggest that we do a third one, third meeting. Okay. I think I think there is so much more in you, and I think it's it's good if it comes out. And and uh, remember last time we we I, I asked you if you would be feel comfortable to talk about all this uh even before you have everything written down yeah you know, because they said you know you, you were going to write it down so i think we should we should talk again okay and feel like I, it I, I, absolutely I listen I'll, I'll do as many as you like i mean it it, um, it helps me because i'm i'm trying to get my reignite my career you know, uh, in you know, because um, I, I know I, I was I had my career cut short, you know, through to grief and cancer and depression and getting cured, you know, and um, and it's taken me quite a while to you know get to the right place. I've had a few you know minor bumps, you know, of possibility, but I was just never been in the right frame of mind totally and i'm i'm so committed right now and suddenly i've got all these offers for interviews and you know so it's like another one that happened about but uh, it's about uh being a, uh sort of a mentor for this network group in in uh, nashville so it's a different you know and, and i'm i'm, I'm going to be talking about um you know performance and what i've learned that may help others um, in all sorts of aspects of performance and uh, whether it's in a studio or live, but mostly on live because, you know, you need to you need to connect to the audience and you've got to read the audience and until you're, uh, you know, even when you're established, you know, you go to some shows and, you know, the first, I mean, you know, if, if it's a big arena or stadium or outdoor concert you know and you're that you're already well established they're going to go ah you know but but so how you keep that energy going from the front man usually but you know, angus like he's the front man really <laughs> in a sense you know i mean obviously Jono really for me i mean um uh, bon Scott was timeless, and there were different. There, there were sort of different bands in lots of ways, but fantastic. But you know, and but um, you know, we joined the tours back back in Black Tour halfway through, and Jono was there. I got to say, just one quick thing about that: when we first had our meal together, you know, 
I'm facing John O'Angus, who's next to him, and uh, he's telling a joke, right? No, I mean, none of us, uh, the band and our band, could understand a word he was saying. So we only knew to laugh when he stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> Really, it's why I give out here. you what, man? You know, no. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> we, we slowly come to unravel his accent, and then, of course, but you know, he, he was passionate as well, so he was going into his real Geordie accent. Mm -hmm. So, so funny times. <laughs> There's plenty of more anecdotes from that tour, too. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, I mean, Angus was such a gentleman. When I cracked the, uh, the neck of my um, white Les Paul that I was telling well, actually, that was my main guitar. Mm -hmm. But I was, I think I also, no, actually, it was this, it was this one. No, not this one, the other, the, the junior. The SG. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Les Paul SG. <laughs> yes, yes, Les Paul. <laughs> Please. <laughs> 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 um, but um, so, but my second son Angus immediately said when he heard, "And just go into my guitar room, pick any guitar you want, you know, to use." Uh, and I, I didn't take him up on that because I just—I don't know why. I—I I, I was too sort of. Well, I don't know. I, I had something blocking me down. Something that would have been awesome, you know, just to. Okay, and then I'd figure out what strings he was using and, you know, how he set up. <laughs> you know, I should have done that just for research. <laughs> but I, I didn't, I didn't. So I, I think I hired a, uh, I, I went into a store and I think I ended up hiring a Travis Bean because I'd never used it anyway. I remember that, I think. But anyway, so, um, uh, yeah, and um, oh yeah, and also I don't know if you know, but they, behind the stage, they had it was called the Bell Inn. It was it was it was the it was actually Keith Evans, you know, guitar and uh, Malcolm's guitar text where he did his work. But they turned, they had a dartboard, they had a, a proper optics, you know, a flight case full of optics, and it was and they had a sign as you went, you know, went up the stairs to the stage, you had to go through there. It was their, you know, their, their like green room, if you like, and it had a nice wooden carved sign saying the Bell Inn, and um, uh, and Keith, you know, was the barman. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so, I mean, oh, so, yeah. When it came to the Christmas break, um, we we, we bought because they were they had the most ragged. Uh, um, um, not dressing gowns, you know, dressing gown, you know, when you're sweating, you put that on, to, you know, and they were, they were so ragged, you know, they didn't care. So we bought them nice new red plush um, dressing gowns for the whole band. And in the pockets, we put jock straps. <laughs> <laughs> for support, because we were the support. <laughs> right. <You're> the support. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they bought us these wonderful, really nice boom boxes, you know, back in the 80s. And they were really nice sounding. I kept mine for years. And they had really good sound. And the audio stereo, you know, compact. They're only like that big, but they were really um, great quality. So, you know, it was a, 
you know, I mean, you don't normally, you know, supporting acts. Well, with Bob Seger, it was a different story altogether. We only had three weeks with them, but you know, it was a different story altogether. But it was great. I mean, man, he was at his, for me, his height, the Silver Bullet Band. It was like, it was a cross, but it, it reminded me sometimes of the harmonies like the Eagles, but it was so much more ground in um, rock blues. And like Leon Russell, the, the, it was just beautiful, the fantastic piano player. Um, Alto was the name of the, uh, you know, um, sax player. He was great. Um, as well, we, we did a show in Paris, one of the, on the tour. And uh, this, um, he was a French um, that came in as a helper, roadie, you know, you have your, you have your own crew, then you have the you know, venues crew work together. So he came to our dressing room and he said, uh, Bob Seger, he make me hungry. I said, oh, you want to you ask some of our food? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Hungry. Angry, we were saying. Angry, yes. <laughs> but hungry. So we angry. thought, oh, okay, we have to have it, share, you know, go ahead. That's <laughs> a classic. That's a classic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things you remember, you know, just stick out. Uh, but we had some great shows with them. They were a great band. I mean, it was really... Uh, I think Alto used to come and visit us, you know, first week because he was this white suit and like thought he's this, you know, oh no, you know. And he came in, he was actually really nice. He introduced himself and then, you know, he, he was wanting to hang out with us and stuff. So, you know, it had some beautiful moments there as well. And it was our first, you know, first gig was at Wembley opening for Bob Seger. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't have any warm up gigs or anything. It's like, and the, <laughs> the, day, the day of it, I don't, you know, I, I'd never done, I mean, we'd done, I've been our punk band, we did some pretty nice places, but Wembley was like, you know, and I, yeah, I lived 10 minutes away, so it was like, you know, ah. so um, <laughs> the day, um, but I remember the feeling on the day, it felt like I was waiting to go to the dentist, but it wouldn't hurt. It's just <laughs> like, cross, cross between anxiety and wow, you know, it's, mm. but, but when we got there, and, and I remember also before the gig, uh, there was Harvey Goldsmith, Peter Grant, and me. We, we, I just got into a room with them. And um, so they both got on, you know, $10,000 Rolexes. And I've got my fake Cartier. <laughs> and I mentioned, oh, well, you guys, are, you got your nice, well, look at mine, you know. <laughs> it cost me $100. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was a cheeky sub back then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay, so we have talked for almost two hours. Yeah, okay, okay. Can, well, you, can you believe it? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> I don't like it, but I, you know, I can still go on. So you know, you got to. No, but let's let's let's. No, no, no. I'm not going to edit you. I think let's do this again. So, like the the way that I like to do this is to just talk and talk and talk. Because Fantastic. like there was, I, I did eleven episodes with one guy. Oh wow! Eleven. I would, I would <laughs> be. I mean, right now, I need to get myself out there again. And this is such a beautiful way. With you, you're so fantastic to relate stories, and I know you've got your 
plenty of amazing stories as well. And maybe we can do a little bit more, you know, let me <laughs> yes. know. Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, I, 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 there's never, there's never enough. I mean, there's, there's never too much uh, sharing in this world. I agree. You know? I totally uh, absolutely. agree. Yeah, it's about, it's about us, our, our, our connection, and and you know I'm I'm honoured that you've given me this opportunity. So, same here. Okay, so let's leave it uh, at this for today. Yeah, and um, I mean, when do you want to do the next one? 